Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. What, what should happen is that the competition is better for me because the word competition comes from the Greek word competeer. So it's to make oneself better. So competition is actually iron sharpens iron. It's not supposed to be that I win, you lose, that whole like us versus them. It's actually we're both working together to produce the best effort in both of ourselves. And ultimately, yes, the scoreboard will tell a tale, but it won't tell the whole story because the way it should work is we're collapsing on the field from exhaustion because I gave my all, you gave your all, and today you just happened to be best. Looking right through. It's intercepted. Picked up by Alex Molden. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. All right, so my next guest on The Shark Effect is Bryn Drescher. Now, she's a speaker, a facilitator, a coach, author, and motivator, working with teams and clients to remove mental blocks. And so she works with a lot of athletes, whether it's high school, collegiate, or professional athletes, and doesn't matter what sport, but she helps them get past their mental blocks. And for me, you know, playing sports all my life playing in in college actually was the first time I ended up up, um, speaking with somebody uh, not a teammate that helped me with my mental blocks and of course when you make it to the highest level professional um, sports they're they're there and it's uh, it's the X factor. And I think what Bryn, just our conversations that we've been having offline, that she has that X factor and she can help 
us all, athletes or non-athletes, break through mental blocks. So, Bryn, welcome to the Shark Effect. Thanks, Alex. I'm really glad to be here. And yes, yes, we all have mental blocks. A lot of people think it's just for athletes, but, you know, there's one thing. I, I call it the mental athlete because we're all doing calisthenics in our minds, <laughs> you know, trying to get through and navigate life. But I think it just manifests more, I guess, explicitly in sports. And so it's a great way to start. But, you know, athletes all eventually become regular people at, at some point, even people like yourself that played at the highest levels. So, yeah. So what got you started? So I'm a former athlete myself. Uh, and uh, so I, I played high school track, basically varsity track all four years. Then I went on to college. I actually walked onto my college team. So I would say that was a pretty bold move on my part actually go in uh, Division One, Michigan State University, uh, you know, walk onto the track team. And I actually, how I got started in the mental aspect of the game was playing it like, you know, the biggest game that we all play is life. So, but what I realized is when I started going to seminars and studying under some of the top, you know, professional development coaches and, you know, um, I guess, minds of this era, it was just like, wow, I really realized that I had some mental blocks that I needed to get past, even though I had always sort of taken life by the reins and been doing things myself. It was a lot that I wasn't aware of. So becoming aware of all that. And then, so I became my first client, essentially taking myself through the processes of breaking down and becoming aware of my own limiting beliefs, my own mental blocks, my own um, you know, uh, battles with confidence, and then how to actually get through that so that I can help others. Because, you know, the first thing you do when you get yourself out of some, some situations is to help others. So that's what got me started and really fascinated about how the mind works and how we all sort of place our own limitations on ourselves. Like, you know, the, they'd say there's the, all limitations are self-imposed. And that was a big lesson for me learning that I limited myself in track because I only did whatever they asked me to do. I wasn't that athlete that was like, I did, you know, I worked hard, but only in the drills, you know, that they were assigned. I wasn't really doing all the stuff outside of practice that I needed to be doing. So. Mm. Mm. How, do, how do you get confidence? How do, how do athletes or, or people, how do they get confidence? Uh, such a good question. I mean, <laughs> it seems like, you know, it should be a simple answer, but it really is repetitive actions, repetitive actions and effort that lead to confidence. A lot of people think you're either born with it or you aren't, sort of like talent, right? But, you know, one of my favorite phrases is hard work beats talent when talent refuses to work hard. So it is that ability to just repeated actions, right? I'm a confident walker because I've been able to successfully put one foot in front of the other and not fall down since I was whatever age, I don't know, maybe two, let's say. So, and it's the same thing. That's what gave us that. Nobody has challenges walking unless they were once not able to walk, right? So similarly, you build confidence through repeated actions of the same thing over and over and over again. And so, but that means that you have to risk the ability of falling down, making mistakes and bouncing back, right? So if I'm, if I'm become a confident shooter, 
If I'm a basketball player, I need to be okay knowing that missing shots is a part of the process. But now through actions and effort, I'm going to reduce the amount of miss to the amount of make, right? My ratio should be improving through repeated actions and effort. It's not just about talent, right? Because, I mean, even Kobe said it was simple math, becoming a great basketball player. If you put in enough reps, enough effort, enough time and attention to your game, you're ultimately going to become a better player, right? And similarly, if you, you know, if you're not an athlete, it's repeated actions, right? So how do you become a better podcast interviewer? How do you become a better, you know, business person? It's how many times at bat, you know, to use a sports analogy, have you gone for that same pitch? Have you gone for that same, um, you know, effort to get into that meeting? And over time, you're going to refine, retool, and suddenly realize that you have more confidence because you have more experience added and more attempts, right? And so the better, the better, you know, player, the better business person is all someone who has done it, braved the chance that they're going to mess up, learn from it, and then apply it again and apply that knowledge. So that's to me, that's how you build confidence. That's what I've seen from time to time again with my clients, my, my athletes, and just, it's just really about how many times are you willing to try again, even after the failures. So. I love that. And, yeah. and what really stuck out to me was taking that risk. Yeah. taking that risk of being able to kind of put yourself, making yourself, I guess, vulnerable, whether it's in, 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 in practice or in the games, but right. making yourself vulnerable and giving and making sure hey, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay if you fail. And so let me ask you, I got an 11 year old son. Okay. He has so much confidence right now. <laughs> I mean, he is dripping with confidence in whatever he does, especially if it's like athletic based. And it's something that we don't, I don't like, oh man, you're so good. You're the best. I I don't, I let them kind of figure it out on the moment, you know, on their own. And like, I figure it's like, what I do is I kind of curb it to make sure that it doesn't start to go up to, you know, his head. Right. What can I be doing as a parent to help my kids? And we have, me and my wife, we have eight kids. He's just, he's, he's number six of the eight. But I want to make sure that I'm, I'm doing what I can to be able to curb and shape him to making sure that that confidence doesn't lead to something else. Because I've been around it. I've seen yeah. where that confidence starts to breed and shape and mold him. And then all of a sudden he's an entitled 15-year-old or 16-year-old? So I want to make a distinction. Well, one, let me just comment. Eight kids. Oh, my gosh. Okay, you have an entire – I don't know the numbers of an actual offensive or defensive line, so you either have that. But I know for sure for basketball, you have five on the floor and three reserves. So you got subs, yeah. Yeah, you got subs, so yeah. that's awesome. Okay, secondly, I want to make a distinction between confidence and cocky. So there is no such thing as too much confidence. Actually, it's excellent that your son has amazing confidence. And often what happens is the 11-year-old, for some reason, goes through puberty, and that confidence takes a hit when suddenly when they start to, I don't know what happens. I'm telling you, middle school kids, 
turn into weird, moody teenagers sometimes. So, and I don't, I mean, you possibly have experienced this as an experienced parent. Yes. <laughs> You've been there. Something about, they're like talking and they're super outgoing at, at a certain age. And then something happens through that middle transition of going through. So I think there's a difference between confidence and cockiness. So as a parent, what would I advise you? Great question. So the first thing is, Always what you're doing already, what you said is the number one thing I would advise parents, having him like reflect on his own accomplishments, having him talk about what, you know, so like after a game, not right after, that's always a mistake. You know, after the game's like, hey, great job. Like, you know, what are you proud of? What are you most proud of? That would be a great question to ask after a game. A lot of times parents want to have that confidence, that question of, what happened? What, what, that one play, you know, and that's the, just the wrong time to have that conversation. And we've all had that fail where we're just like trying to have that heart to heart at just the wrong time with our young person. And they're just, a la- I remember when my mom used to do it with me, that was the last thing I wanted to talk about. Like, I don't want to talk about that. But if you just said, hey, great job in that race. You know, what, you know, what, what are you proud of? And just be like, man, I was just proud that I got finished. You know, something like that. It might be something like that. And they may or may not want to talk about it and you just take the cue from them. The second thing is, um, it's just really allowing them to sort of break down what their strengths are. Like letting, you know, like highlighting that. So that effort, like you said, that effort is what you always want to praise. The effort, never the talent. Effort over talent, effort over talent. Um, you know, so E over T, basically. So the big thing is, how can I get more of, you want to always praise what you want more of. So you want your son to have more confidence. So yes, you can keep him humble, but it's like, you know, that whole thing is always work hard, like praising that effort. I like how hard you worked in that game. I love how you kept swinging, you know, you swung for the fences, even though you, you know, you could have been scared that, you know, like you would have struck out. But I'd rather somebody strike out swinging hard for that homer versus being timid and, you know, not giving their all. And, you know, you know, so the big thing would be always analyzing effort over talent. So, you know, highlighting that, having them talk about their effort, that's a big thing. And in in order to keep him humble, talk about, okay, who are three players that you currently play against that you want to rise to the occasion of, for for example, because there's always somebody better, somebody. So like, Who's the, you know, like have them research. So that could be something. Hey, who are the three players that in your league, in your, on your team, in, you know, whatever, in your sport, youth wise or whatever, that are the the three best. And what do you want to, what do you like about them? What do you feel like, you know, you've noticed and you'd like to emulate that type of stuff. That's a way to keep it in perspective so that that confidence is that he's always like, okay, so always be studying, get those habits, always be studying who is at the next level of where I want to be so that I'm always striving to be, you know, the best, but have them do that work. Like, it's not for you to be like, you know, because I have a friend that has a story. I know I'm talking a long time here, but I have a friend that has a story that she got third place in something and her mom was like, and she was like, well, you know, that's pretty good. And her mom was like, well, what did one and two do? And, you know, and, and, uh, you know, then she was like, but all the other, look at all these other kids. There's like 20 others that I beat out. And it was like, never focus on the people below you. Always focus on the people above you. But what you hear from that conversation is what you did was not good enough. So you don't want to be the parent that highlights that. You want them to start to, you to start saying, hey, you know what my mom told me when I was younger is, you know, like how I can always to be better is to study those that have gone before me that might be putting up better numbers and that type of stuff. So get them in the habit of doing that so so that he's not thinking he's always the best 
yeah. but your appraising effort and he's studying those that he wants to emulate and rise above and target so that he can continue to focus on improving his game always, no matter how good he is. I love that. And that's something that uh, back in the day, because of technology and the internet and social media, is these kids within five seconds, they can find out who's the best in their region, who's the best, and they can, and then they can see how they work outside of their sport. Right. See, when I was growing up in the, you know, in the eighties, I had to right. put this, I had to, in my mind, I had to put, Hey man, there's somebody, there's this kid out in Florida who is killing it. Right. He's faster than me. He's tougher than me. He's stronger than me. He's meaner than me. But I always had this person this imaginary being that was always working. And so that fueled me to be able to, okay, I got to do the stuff that nobody else is willing to do. I got to train when it's snowing outside. I got to train at midnight. I got to, I, I was, I was trying to mentally put that in my head where nowadays, man, he can, he can look and be like, okay, I'm going to outwork that dude. I see what he's doing. I'm going to turn it up a notch. It's amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. So with that, what's the, what's the toughest thing that you, that you see that athletes are having a problem with when it comes to, um, overcoming failure? Yeah. What's the toughest thing? Well, you know, it kind of goes to what you were just talking about. I mean, we didn't have, like you said, growing up, all that social media. So like you said, we had to create, you sound like Michael Jordan there, like where you're creating these, you know, these <laughs> battles with these players so you can get out there and turn it into a gear. You saw the last dance. Yep. Other thing, though, is there's a, that other side of social media, which is if they don't have the confidence that your 11-year-old player has or currently has, is it's a lot of this comparison. So it becomes, I'm not as good as, and then there's about a thousand players you can put on that list, right? Mm -hmm. So the big thing is putting into perspective to stop comparing oneself to someone else and know that your journey is going to look different. Because a lot of times we're comparing our day one against somebody's day 500, right? So we don't know the effort and the, you know, so that's why I say study the players. What is he or she doing to Put up those results. Study their effort, not their talent. Again, effort over talent. I cannot stress this enough. So it's, if you're looking at what they're doing, then now you can say, okay, that's a formula. And just like math, two plus two always equals four, right? So hard work and effort, you know, is going to bring me the results at some point, right? Yep. So I believe in that comes with a positive attitude, right? So that's a little bit of the compare affair, what I call the compare affair. When you compare yourself to others, you cheat yourself. So you're cheating yourself out of your own abilities when you think like, I gotta be like that person. No, it's not about having the same journey. It's just saying, okay, they're doing, like you said, if I'm studying Alex as a you know high schooler and I was able to look at his social media, what, he's working out three, three days, right? So he's doing practice. And then he's also going in the morning and doing something, going in the evening and doing something. So therefore, I now know if I want to put up the results like an Alex, I got to be a positive, if I'm willing to be a three a day type, you know, effort output, right? Mm -hmm. That's one. The second thing is the, the biggest thing is mistake response. 
the resiliency of our athletes, right? Because a lot of times their worth and value is wrapped up in whether they succeed or they fail, right? So in other words, if I have a good game, it's about to be a good time after the game. You know, my mom can talk to me, my dad, I can hang out with my friends. If I have a bad game, I'm about to isolate, put myself in a room somewhere and just make everyone around me miserable because I lost, right? And so it's understanding that there is no such thing as you don't want what uh, Gilbert Arenas recently talked about on his podcast, we're called high-low player, okay? We don't want a high-low player. We want someone that understands that winning and losing is a part of the game. So missing shots, making shots, making catches, missing catches, making tackles, missing tackles, you know, winning races, losing races, whatever sport you talk about, striking out, hitting a home run, all of it is formulaic to make the greatest players, right? There's not an NBA, NFL, or, uh, you know, MLB player that has a 100% stat for anything. There's no 100% stat anywhere. So making them understand that what made Michael Jordan, the shooter he is, and Kobe and LeBron and whoever you idolize, you know, in, the, in, the, in basketball. And then, you know, you got all your football players, Reggie. Uh, what's his last name? Miller. Yeah, huh? Reggie Miller. Yeah, Reggie Miller. Well, no, I was actually going football. I was going football. The um, maybe I've got the right wrong name, but the the wide receiver that um, was with the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> Jerry Rice. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry Rice. I don't know why I could not think of his name. That's okay, right. that's all right. But anyway, so Jerry Rice. What made him amazing, right? Was that. In practice, he didn't make a distinction between practice and games. So he was always all out all the time. He knew that the effort should not be less because he's not, you know, like, in other words, the rookies, he was always setting an example and he was setting a bar. So to get overcome, you know, failure is to one, understand that losing, misses, whatever the case is, is a part of the process and then learning from that. There's no such thing as I either win or I learn, it's I win and I learn, it's not I win or I lose. And so once they understand that, then it becomes how do I turn this all into lessons and steps up instead of like, you know, so it's not a step down, it's not a step off, it's a, okay, cool, this is just a step in the process. For me to become a great player, I need to study my own film, my own games, my own habits. I have to become a student of me and a student of the game to become a better player. And I love really, that. It's that self-awareness. Yeah, self-awareness. self-awareness. We used to do something where uh, you would um, self-scout. So okay. in the NFL, they would we would watch film, right, of other players and other teams, you know, the teams that we have uh, next. But we would also, coaches would self-scout us both as individuals and then as our scheme. So we would know what our own strengths and weaknesses are. Oh. And it just like, it made us have to look at ourselves because we can never, I can never see myself through your eyes, right? right? So I need to be able to, as much as I can, like look at, I think I'm pretty awesome, but I got to see it and watch it from uh, another angle and be like, man, hold on. That right there, I didn't know that I'd take that false step every time when this play or this coverage happens. Right. So I think that's, that's, that's really cool. And also, you know, what you said about Jerry Rice is, and I have an issue when, when people say that, oh, my son or my daughter or I, I'm a gamer. 
Like when the lights come on, I'm a man, I'm a gamer. I think it should be, it's part of your character. Like wherever you show up and you do that, what well, I don't care if it's what sports you play, if you show up at the office, is man, that's the same person, right? I mean, is it just me or am I, but it should be, no, I shouldn't just turn it on and turn it off. It should be like, man, I go to practice, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ball out like it's a game. Yeah. Like it's a game. So then when, I, when, they, when the lights come on, I, I, I'm not like having to put pressure on myself to like, okay, I gotta step it up now. No, I've been stepping it up since day one, since right. training camp. You're 100% right. And my favorite quote is, how you do anything is how you do everything. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you are someone who phones it in, you know, like, oh, you know, like, it's like that whole thing of like, I'm going to be faithful when I get married. Or <laughs> I'm oh, going to be really good at that job once I get it. But, you know, until I get that serious job, I'm just out here, you know, doing whatever. It doesn't work like that. And as much as, now there is, uh, you will be able to find, if I say that, you know, there's always that one person that can find that point. An outlier. 1% outlier that just, you know, can turn it on when there's a game. There's some professional example out there. But ultimately, they don't have longevity. They have moments, okay? But if you want to be the LeBrons, the Kobe's, the Jerry Rice's, the, you know, um, Cam Newton's, the Tom Brady's, um, you know, whatever all those names are that have gone before you that a lot of us, you know, one we look at their jerseys and we go, one day that's going to be me. And I'm, um, you know, it is important. It is important that we understand that it is consistency, effort, time, attention, and focus. And it's not just somebody who's like, yeah, when the lights come on, I'm on. I'm like Hollywood. I'm, I'm on, you know, as soon as I'm on. Because what happens is eventually that's like sort of building your house on sand, right? If a mm. wave comes, right, <laughs> and you have to dig deep, when you're down, those players can't perform because they don't know how to deal with adversity because they didn't train for it. Sure, they have their moments and they got their highlight reels and, you know, people are talking about them, but those names don't last for season after season after season. The names that endure are always the people that, you know, are working out till the lights come on and all that stuff because they know that it takes, you know, there's a formula to it. And it's just simple, like, like Kobe said, simple math. I can't stress it enough. So how you do anything is how you do everything. Like you said, like practice, games, all that. You got so many players. My kid is so much better in practice than in games. Why? Because they don't know how to deal with that pressure because they think, oh, practice is time off. Games are time on. Mm. It's like, you've got to practice. Just like a play and they do a dress rehearsal. They don't say like, okay, well, you know, we're only going to phone it in about 50% in these dress rehearsals. Dress rehearsals, like there's an audience out there. The lights are coming on. All that stuff. Same thing. Practice needs to always be dress rehearsal. I'm going to you know, I'm suiting up to go into battle, so I need to be ready, and I need to practice the scenarios the way that they're going to happen in the game so that I'm prepared so that it comes automatic instead of I'm not sure what to do because I'm always sort of putting in a little bit less effort because, you know, I don't want to – I want to save it for the game. There's no saving for the game. The muscle gets the practice from the consistent usage, and then it knows how to operate in those stressful conditions. And same thing is the mind. The mind can only operate the best when it's under that same level of pressure in practice as well as games. And you have mm -hmm. to figure out a way to create that as a coach, as a, 
uh, you know, as an athlete and then also off the field as a person in life, you have to put those habits in place. So it's just automatic. Mm, that's great. So this podcast, this is, you know, this is for high performers. I don't care what you do, whether it's in sports, whether it's in life, in parenting, you're a CEO or executive uh, entrepreneur, whatever. This is for those higher performers. Now tell me this, when, and I've seen this at every level, it's one thing to, you know, when times get tough, right? Times get tough. It's looking like you're about to lose. It's one thing to think about it. But one thing is always like really got me upset. And I hear it from, from some of my kids until I just snap. And then they start to say it. Oh, we're going to lose this one. Man, 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 we down by 20. We only got two minutes left. Man, we're taking an L on this one. Or there was times where, you know, when I was younger, I get off the get off the bus and just by looking at the other team, how much bigger they are. And there was kids, man, I would never say this, but there was kids that, oh man, we're gonna lose this. We're gonna lose today. What do you say yeah. about that? You got any insights? Any Yeah, of course, of course. So what oftentimes it's it's always fear. Everything comes back to fear, right? Fear of not being enough, fear of whatever. So if I already give up in the process, I didn't, you know, like let's say, right? If I if I look and I know that there's a chance, there's, it, it goes back to the growth mindset, really. And there's a great book by Carol Dweck, but it talks a lot about this idea of praising talent or praising something that's natural to a person, then they don't want to lose that. So now I've got all my worth and tied up to I'm a great athlete, whatever that is. And so then when I look at that other team, I'm already psyching myself out because if I feel like I don't, because when I say I'm going to lose it, right, I don't have to give 100%. So I can say I didn't really give it my all because I wasn't really beat based on my talent. It was just like, oh, I didn't really, you know, I wasn't my best today. And there's something about self-sabotage, right? So a yeah. lot of players, um, it's a great, uh, there's a great movie that I love called Facing the Giants. And it's a, it's a faith-based movie. I'm, I can't say that I recommend the acting, but there's a scene in there basically like, hey, you know, the way they're ranked coach, we already like, you know, he's like, wow, it's, Saturday, it's Friday night and it's Tuesday. He's already calling out Friday night as a loss. So he has this great scene. He's like, give me your best. And he's like, you're going to give me your absolute best. And there's this great scene in the movie where he challenges him to do this. Um, you guys do it. It's like a maybe a crawl, like um, all the way down the field. And he's blindfolded. So he's like, you got to take, and he had to take one of his players all the way down the field on his back. Mm. And what we perceive we can do versus what we can actually do are two different things. So in other words, you know, you go back to like, what, what should happen is if the competition is better for me, because the word competition comes from the Greek word competeer. So it's to make oneself better. So competition is actually iron sharpens iron. It's not supposed to be that I win, you lose that whole like us versus them. It's actually we're both working together to produce the best effort in both of ourselves. And ultimately, yes, the scoreboard will tell a tale, but it won't tell the whole story because the way it should work is we're collapsing on the field from exhaustion because I gave my all, you gave your all, and today you just happened to be best. Mm. So that should be the story. But the way that we've been taught is one team is better than the other team, and that's it. But yet we've got 
countless story after story after story of the underdog proving victorious. Why? Why is that? Why would the lesser of the teams with the talent be the better of the team in the outcome? Because there wasn't enough output by the better team because they got psyched out. They decided to work less hard because they didn't want to, they were afraid that they, if they lost, giving all their all, they weren't really great football, basketball athletes, whatever the case is. So it comes down to, for the athlete has to have enough value and self-worth in themselves to say, there is no one better than the effort that I'm going to put out today. I'm going to give my all so that I'm either going, there's two things that's going to happen. You go back to the Will Smith story of the treadmill that some of you may be familiar with. There's only two things that are going to happen. I'm going to die or I'm going to win. You know, you know, like, so in other words, I'm going to give everything I have to beat you or I'm going to come out victorious. Those are the two things. So it's, it's that thing of, did you, competition should bring out the best of yourself. So if you thought for one second that that team was better than you, then it just means I got to find a fifth gear today because I need to pull out the best. But oftentimes, like you said, it's just appearances are deceiving. David and Goliath, I'm sure if we go back to the day, I always think about that. Like, you know, and whether you think the story is real or not, this is what I imagine. David is going out to the field and everybody's like, man, that dude is going to lose today. Like, do you know, like, I don't even know why he showed up. Like, Goliath is like supposed to be this tall giant, like, you don't even show up for something like that. That's like, you know, like he just signed up to get clobbered, to be slaughtered by this giant. But he had the confidence, the belief that anything was possible and something greater like his mental game or your faith or whatever the case is. And he walked in and he walked out victorious because he was underestimated rather than he overestimated his competition, right? He put all his focus on the other team. So you got to put the focus again back on you today, here's my goal. Here's what I'm willing to do to walk off that field victorious or at the very least, a much better player than I walked on. And that has to be your two aims. It's about winning or it's not just about winning. It's about becoming better because as John Wooden said, which is, I love this, you can play your best and lose and you can, um, and you can give your worst and still win. So it's about, did I become better? in this outing and that's what it's about that's why we say skill over scoreboard mm, i'd rather that. you i'd rather you win um at, at at improving as a player than win on that scoreboard yeah so. yeah and that's a lot of a lot of uh, people parents it's all about the scoreboard that's it and that's that's sad it's all about the scoreboard process because sometimes they can win and they're putting up the numbers for the parents for the coaches for whoever but they're not actually enjoying themselves and then they're also not loving the process because they feel like that's what they have to do to get loved and we have to be mindful of that as well hmm. Rand, is there is there one question is there a question that that i should ask you that i haven't asked you yet why should we focus on the mental game over the physical game? Why should we focus on the mental game instead of the physical or over the physical game? Now, I know maybe over is not necessarily the right word, but being that we focus, you know, there's that 80-20 rule, right? We focus 
80% of our efforts on 20% of the game. So the physical aspect is really the lesser of the two, right? So it's 90% mental sports are and 10% physical. So if, if it's 90% and we know that, then it, you know, because ultimately we go back to Alex and your playing days, all the teams had the same amount of equipment that you had, those nice cleats, those great pads under their uniforms, you know, like the same dummies that you guys were going up against in practice. And I'm not calling about your teammates dummies. You know what I'm talking about. Those <laughs> yeah. But you know, those same things, we all have that. So what is the differenti differentiator on that one yard line? It's the mental game. It's that tenacity. It's that, it's all those intangibles that you can't measure. It's the stuff on a player that you're like, yeah, physically he's great, but he falls apart under pressure or she falls apart when it's down to the wire. It comes down to that mental game. So if there's anything, like you said, Alex, because we know the people listening are not necessarily athletes. They may be parents of athletes. They, and even if they are parents of athletes, you are a person who has things in your life you want to accomplish. It's giving your mental health, your mental game, as much focus, if not more, than your physical output. So in other words, yes, you have all the right degrees. You work hard at your job, but... How much are you working on your self-awareness, your limiting beliefs, knowing your true value? Those are the things, like the five things I focus on with my all-in method that help people be all-in in their life, on the field, off the field, whatever it is. Because once you get clear on that, you're unstoppable. You're unshakable. It doesn't mean fear is not there. It doesn't mean suddenly everything's solved but it means that it's not something that gets in the way because you know how to address it. All-in method. What is that? So my all-in method is the five steps that I use to help athletes become unstoppable in their sport, basically, or become better players for themselves, their teams, and their goals in the sport. And the first thing is awareness. We talked about that. That's self-awareness is number one. So what are you aware of outside of yourself, inside of yourself, even more so? Coming aware, right? Taking because it's all about responsibility. How can if you take 100% responsibility for your life, put yourself in the driver's seat, and you have the ability to actually create change because you can only change what you're aware of. That's step one. Hmm. Step two is what I call um, it's kind of like the outlet plug, <laughs> you know, an outlet and a plug, right? So yep. think of your athlete as in uniform is plugged into that. That, 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 that sport, right? Mm -hmm. But when you take that plug away, right, it becomes who am I outside of, right? So the plug still technically has all the right wires and all the right things. So if it gets plugged out of football and into son, daughter, into the various roles that we have, right? Suddenly yeah. student, whatever, the same properties are in that plug. So in other words, whatever outlet you plug it into in the house, it lights up the same. And so it's the whole idea is, is to help the athletes understand is that their value is not in the outlet, it's in the plug and mm. in themselves. And so, yeah, that's I love so that analogy. The identity. Yeah. And then the third thing is vision. Where do you, why do you play? What do you want? What is the reason, right? Why are we choosing this particular avenue to get to the mountaintop, right? Whether it be, you know, where our sport, our job, our career, our relationship, whatever role you're plugging into, what is your ultimate goal, right? And then we got to articulate those steps, get real clear on that vision. Because our why is such a big thing. Like, 
When I go back to a particular soccer game with the U.S. women's national team when they lost against Japan, the year that Japan had the earthquake, Japan had all this stuff going on, why did they lose? Japan had a bigger why. It's just that simple. They had the bigger why, right? U.S. winning all the time. Sure, that was, you know, had all the right effort, all the right players, but Japan had a bigger why. It's always that differentiator. So that vision is so important. And the next thing is then to become aware of your limiting beliefs. What are they? What stories do you have about why you can't be successful? I'm from this neighborhood. I've got this kind of, you know, uh, disability. I've got you know, these disadvantages or these other people have all the advantages and I don't have them, whatever they are, you got to become aware of them and do what I call belief rehab and belief replacement therapy. Uh. Where you got to like turn those things, you know, because a belief is just a thought you keep thinking. So let's find out what thoughts you're thinking. Let's deconstruct them, the BS, and get rid of those LBs as I call them because they're weighing you down from soaring to that vision that you just created. And then let's get clear on how to get you to your goal. And then the last step, is the mental rehearsal, which is just like I talk about that dress rehearsal, right? And it's like taking yourself through intentionally creating your own life because a lot of people don't believe the energy of that stuff. But obviously all sports, we've seen that with visual, visualizing the outcome brings you the result that much faster. So it's how to kind of shortcut yourself between the goal and the starting line. And so those are the things and, you know, self-talk, positive self-talk, all the different things in your sort of mental toolbox at the end there to sort of bring it all together. And a lot of that, obviously, you know, meditation, mindfulness, that stuff's in there. And it's just the biggest thing is the five steps I help people be all in in their life, all in in their sports so that they can achieve the optimal results that they see. And a lot of that just comes from, it's like I said, it's formulate. It's simple, follow yeah. the formula and you will get results. And of course, it doesn't mean don't go to practice. And I'm, no, I don't focus a lot on that, but it, of course, I'm going to take what you do physically out in the world and we're going to deconstruct it because your habits and patterns are all in that, right? How do you show up in practice? How do you show up in class? How do you show up at work? How do you show up in your relationship? Because all that is why you're performing the way you are here and there. Mm, I love that. I, I love that uh, that illustration. Like I'm a big, I'm a visual guy. So, you know, to hear that and then, you know, I'm taking notes right now, but that that's, I'm always looking to give shortcuts you know, to individuals. So, um, Brian, how can my, how can my listeners get more of you? Well, the best way of course, is to follow me on all the social media channels. I'm at Bryn Drescher, which I know my name will be fully present, you know, spelled out correctly in the show notes. My last name is like Bryn Drescher, no relation, but, uh, yeah, at Bryn Drescher on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, everywhere. You just add Bryn Drescher. You can find me, um, there as well as you can just email me, you know, drop me a DM on IG. Uh, you can email me at info at Those are the places to reach out to me and, uh, you know, help you, your athlete, um, get closer to their goal, whatever it is. I love that. Brand, thank you for being a, a phenomenal guest on the Shark Effect podcast. Um, I, I can't wait to have you on again. Yes, I would love to come on again. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. 
my book, The Ultimate Playbook for Higher Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking tra- to transition, what, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever. If you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment and adjustment. Recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter. Developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you? Okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just not just athletes. Now there's some stories in there. You know that covers topics that that resonate with athletes but i think overall this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new something different okay so make sure check it out amazon the ultimate playbook for high achievement